Oh, how many loved worship this morning? That was so good. I love that song that says, I will live on the altar because you are worth everything that you ask for. I cry every time I hear it because the more that you walk with Jesus, the more that you realize that there's a cost to following him. The more, but the more that you begin to pay that cost, the more that you realize that he's so worthy of it, that there's no price too big to follow him. And so before we jump into what I want to talk about this morning, I just want to pray. I think sometimes we come into these spaces and we check off the boxes because it's easy to do. It's what we do in so much of life. We move from one thing to the next and we wait to experience him in the middle of worship, and we wait to experience him in the middle of the word, and we forget that he's right here with us right now. He's here moving. We don't need a person to lead us into worship to experience him. We don't need a person to talk about him for us to encounter him. And so I don't want to move too quickly out of this space. And so, Father... We just thank you so much for all that you are. We come before you this morning, and Father, we ask that all the baggage that we walked in with, that you would just allow that to fall off this morning, Father. All the anxiety, all the questions, all the fear, Father, that that would just begin to be stripped off of their hearts this morning, and that they would see you rightly, Father. You are so worthy of anything that we could possibly give to you because you have already given us so much. But as we talk about this message this morning, Father, I just ask that you would help us to live surrendered, that we would yield our hearts to you this morning, that we would open up to you and allow you to speak whatever it is that you want to speak. And Father, I just ask that there would be no men's wisdom this morning, Father, as I talk, that you would speak what you intend to have spoken and that that would be it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are so thankful to be here. As they said, my name is Hannah Howe. I was born and raised in Marion, Ohio. I lived here for 26 years, and me and my husband and our two children, we moved away a couple years ago to follow the Lord. But I love Marion. I always say every time I come back, I exhale a little bit because there's something so beautiful about coming back to a space where it has my favorite restaurants like House of Hunan. I will be eating it today or getting to go to the Jersey. We did that last night. I love Mary and it's beautiful, but I also believe that the Lord is doing something very special here. And we're thankful to get to come back and be a part of that. We're thankful for Pastor Tom and his wife, Jenny, and their daughter, Emily, and Mike and Amanda. We think the world of all of them. But this morning, I wanna to talk to you guys about the walk of faith. I wanna to talk to you about what it means to, to walk in faith every day of our life. We know that faith is the essence of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. But what does it actually mean to walk in faith in a way that we, our eyes cannot see and our hands cannot touch the thing that we're pursuing? How do we live out a life of faith when we can't tangibly describe it, when we can't tangibly lay hold of it? And I believe that the answer to that question is found in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22 through 23. 
guys will see my Bible's falling apart. I got this Bible. So for those of you that don't know, I have an addiction story. And um, 11 years ago, I went to a place called Teen Challenge. And when my mom would come, uh, we would do these visitations. And so my mom, we would have to find things to do. And so we would always go to the Half Price Bookstore. And I found this Bible there, and now I just can't seem to let go of it, even though I probably should because it's falling apart at the seams. So how many in here have heard the story of Jesus walking on water? We're all familiar with it, right? It's a pretty well-known story. Starting in verse, um, verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is, a, is it a ghost? And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Did you know that the word, the phrase, do not be afraid, is mentioned over 365 times in the Bible? Isn't that incredible? How many days are there in a year? There's 365 days in a year. It's almost like God knew that every day we would need the reminder not to be afraid. And Peter answered him and said to the Lord, It is you. Command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was um, boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came to the, and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now I want us to get this picture, picture this morning because growing up, this is a common Bible story in Sunday school. And when I always pictured these waves, I pictured like when you go to the beach and you can see those waves coming in, but they're like four or five feet. But it reported that the waves on the sea where Jesus was at could get up to 10 feet tall. And so I need a couple volunteers this morning, okay? I'm going to get a chair. Sorry. Who's really, really tall? Okay, I need you too. Okay, I need you too. No, I need you too for something. Okay, who else? Who's tall? There's got to be somebody tall in here. Okay, Adam, I need you. See, it's all so... <laughs> See, it's all, okay, I need you to come and stand right here. See, it's also estimated that Jesus was an average height of about 5'5". Five five. So I am 5'2". Adam, you are very tall. And so we have to imagine, I want us to get this picture in our head. These, these waves could have been about 10 feet tall, right? Mm, I maybe am about there right now, right? And so when Peter was on the boat, he was up above the water. He was lifted up. He would have been able to see Jesus out, right? So right now, I can see Katie over top of, a um, over top of Adam, right? Over top of Adam when I'm up here. Peter would have been able to see Jesus when he was on the boat. But what begins to happen when I get down? 
Imagine if these waves were 10 feet tall, could Peter still see Jesus? No, he wouldn't have been able to. And see, I wonder, okay, you guys can go ahead and sit back down. I wonder how many times in our life when a storm begins to hit, maybe you get a diagnosis that you weren't expecting. Maybe tragedy hits and your son begins to step into addiction. Maybe you face a job loss. Things aren't beginning to turn out the way that you thought that they would. What happens sometimes in those moments, suddenly we cannot see where Jesus is at in the midst of what we're walking through. See, oftentimes we look at this and we say that, that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, but what if Peter didn't take his eyes off of Jesus? What about if Peter couldn't see him? What do we do when we walk through the storm and we can't see Jesus in the midst of it? I know that I've been there. As Nathan said a couple years ago, we packed up and moved. But he spoke about that very mildly. The Lord called us. He spoke to us. We um, have some incredible friends that are doing amazing things for Jesus up in the um, Mass and Canton area. And we knew that we were supposed to partner and run with them. But we were established here. Nathan had a great job. He was a part of a union. We were, we were set here. And the Lord said, I want you to sell your house and I want you to move. And so we sold our house and Nathan began looking for jobs, but he couldn't find one. So what do you do when your house is sold, but you don't have a job to provide income when you move? And now we needed to find a place to rent. How do we find a place to rent when we have no income to show that we can pay for it? See, we were in the middle of a storm, and so we began the process and we moved. We found these people who said, we're going we're gonna to trust you. Honestly, guys, I can't even explain it. They said it to us. They said, on paper, we have no idea why we're renting to you guys. We really shouldn't be because I was able to find a job, but I made exactly $1,000 a month, and our rent was a little bit more than that. And they said, we really shouldn't be renting to you guys, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to do it. And so we had this money in the bank and we're, uh, from what we had made off of our house. And so we moved. And we have two little kids. And at this time, they were four and five. And we're like, okay, Jesus. And we begin the process of moving. But see, the waves begin to rise because now we're in this house and, and we're a month in and still no job. We're two months in and we can see our bank account beginning to drop and still no job. We're three months in, and there's still no job. And see, that's often how it is in this situation with Peter and in our life. See, we had stepped out of the boat, and we began to take the steps. A month in, another step. Two months in, another step. But the waves are getting higher and higher, and we're saying, Jesus, where are you at in the midst of what we're walking through? And then Nathan gets a job, but it takes him out of state. And so me and the kids are, are home Monday through Friday, and we only have him on the weekends. And remember, guys, we moved because we were following Jesus. We moved because we were following what he had asked of us. And sometimes I think one of the most difficult things is when we're pursuing the Lord, and that's when tragedy strikes. That's when difficulty comes. When you're saying, Lord, I'm doing all the right things but I can't see you in what I'm walking through. And about f three months in, when Nathan was gone, 
and um, and I was working. I had a moment. I have an autoimmune disorder, and so it's really hard for me to stand on my feet all day. And I was in a lot of pain. And I was, I was laying down in bed, and I was processing with the Lord. How many times have you guys in here found yourself questioning God? It's almost something that we say we shouldn't do in the church. But if we're all honest, there are times where we ask ourselves, God, where are you at? What are you doing? I don't understand. We, we answered. We followed. And it feels like you're not showing up for us. You know, when Peter, Jesus told him to come. If those waves begin to rise, is there a chance that maybe for Peter, he said, you called me out onto this water and now I feel like I'm beginning to sink? And it, that's exactly what happened. Peter calls out for him. And I, I begin to wrestle with the Lord in my bedroom. And he answered me so clearly, I'll never forget it. He said, Hannah, it's not enough that you love me. You also have to let me love you. Because, see, I think sometimes in our pursuit of the Lord, we can recount all the things that we've done for the Lord that we forget to, re to recount what he's done for us. See, we can get so caught up in what's going on around us that we forget the very miracle that's happening in front of us. For Peter, he got so distracted by the waves that he forgot that he was literally in the midst of a miracle that on record only him and Jesus ever did. I mean, think about that. Nobody else has ever been recorded to walk on water. He was in the middle of that miracle, yet he still questioned. There's something beautiful about it, that because that gives us permission to, to ask the Lord. And see, but what I really, really love about this story is that Jesus rebukes him. He says, oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid? Would Jesus ever rebuke something that we were able to do? No. Why would he ever have questioned Peter's faith if Peter had the capacity to believe? See, this morning, what I believe was the key to Peter walking on water was that when those waves began to rise and he could no longer see, it was in that moment that he was meant to recount what God had done. See, in the chapter right before Peter walking on water, Jesus fed the 5,000. And how many times in our own life, as we begin to pursue the Lord, is it easy when the storms come that we forget the miracles that he's already performed? Guys, the greatest miracle that Jesus will ever give us is the salvation of our souls. So you might say, well, you know what, Hannah? I don't feel like I've seen that many miracles. Well, are you saved? Then that's the greatest miracle that you will ever receive. I mean, think about it for a moment. God came and he was formed in a woman supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. How is that not the most incredible miracle in the world? And that's the thing that I've recognized in my own life. See, when I was in this process of wrestling with the Holy Spirit, what I realized is that I had forgotten the fact that our house sold the same day that we listed it on the market. Literally, guys, within an hour of our house being on the market, it's sold. How crazy is that? 
And then it was in the middle of COVID times. Our house was sold and we were signing on the dotted line within 30 days. That didn't happen during COVID. When we, when we were questioning how we were going to pay our bills, the Lord provided every single time. Every single time. There was not one day that we paid our rent late or we weren't able to put food on the table. Why? Because God is a miracle-working God. But see, what I want you guys to remind, be reminded of today is that there's this temptation the longer that we walk with Jesus, that we begin to let doubt creep into our heart. We get caught up in the motions that we forget the very reason that we started following him. See, Peter was full of faith because he knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus was able to perform the miracle. So why did he doubt? Because that's the temptation. The more that we pursue him, the more that we step out of the boat, and the more that we say, okay, I'm not going to live a normal life anymore. I'm going to follow you. And for you guys, that may not look like you moving cities. But it might be that dream that's inside of your heart that you're afraid to pursue. That thing that you feel so cold to that keeps you up at night, but you don't know if you're qualified enough to live it out. Or maybe it's that miracle that you need right now in your body. And you're pursuing Jesus, but if you're honest, there's areas of your heart that doubts. The doubts that he's actually good enough to heal you. That he's actually good enough to save your, your ch children. You know, I say to my mom all the time, my mom's back there. If you have a child that's lost an addiction, you should go talk to her. She's incredible. Because you know what I watched for the years that I spent in addiction. Guys, I spent six years. I, by the end of it, I was a heroin addict. It wasn't, it wasn't a small addiction. And what I watched my mom do was never lose faith in sight that I would one day be delivered. When people looked at her and said, when she comes back from rehab, be prepared, she's going to fall. My mom chose not to believe that lie. Why? Because she had seen God be faithful so many times that she knew that he would be faithful again. And I feel this deep in my heart today that there are some of you in this room that you've been questioning God. If you're honest, you're like Peter, and you're here today because you want something. You know that there's something more. We don't get up on a Sunday morning and show up when it's freezing cold outside for no reason. There's something inside of you that knows that you were born and created for more. But you're questioning because as you begin the pursuit of Jesus, as you've stepped out of the boat, the storms have started to rise. It's gotten bigger. It's like Adam standing here. And suddenly you can't see. And Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, recount what I've already done. Recount what I've already done. You don't feel like you have those miracle stories for yourself. They're full of here. This book is full of so many promises. This book is full of so many stories of God showing up time and time again. For us, when we moved, I held on to Abraham's story. 
Right? He moved into a town that he did, he, he moved into a place that he didn't know, a place that was not familiar to him. And when I struggled, because I didn't feel like I had very many friends where I was at, and I didn't feel like I had family close, right? I grew up in a very close family, guys. It was a big deal for me to move away. My mom, I had never lived away from her, ever, besides my time at TC. And what I held on to was Abraham's story and the way that God provided for him time and time again. Because here's the thing, guys, is without trials, we'll never become all that God has created us to be. And that's not the thing that we like to hear in the church, right? Who likes trials? You know, Mike and Amanda, they're like a perfect example of walking through a trial that they did not ask for. But what have they encountered? God's faithfulness through it all. I feel like every time I get on social media, there's a new blessing that the Lord has provided for them. And I just want to speak over you guys. You know, as I was sitting here in worship, I'm sorry, I just want to, I really want to say this. I was just, the Lord really spoke to me, and I really believe that the house that he's rebuilding for you guys is going to be one that you're going to get to host his presence so beautifully. I believe that you guys are going to sit around dinner tables with people and that you're going to see healings take place in hearts and that what the enemy meant for evil, that God's turning it for good. And it's going to be a house of his presence. That you guys are rebuilding the walls in the same way that he's rebuilding the physical walls, he's also rebuilding the supernatural walls of your home. I really believe that. And rebuilding the walls of your marriage and the walls in your relationship with your kids. Because see, that's what God does. That's what God does. When we, the more that we walk with him, the more that we face trials that we did not ask for. Because let's be real, guys. Sometimes we face trials that, now granted, Peter asked for his trial. Like, let's be real. Peter said, like, we know, you know, everyone says that Peter was the one who always spoke when he probably shouldn't have. But you know what? I love people like that. I wouldn't consider myself to be that kind of person. I'm, I tend to be more reserved. But I love people like that because you know what? They, they get to see the miraculous in a way that when we're reserved, we don't. Because I would rather try and fail than not try at all. And for Peter, he asked for this trial, but for many of us, we face things that we didn't ask for. We said yes, we stepped into a space like this, and we surrendered, and then suddenly it felt like all hell broke loose. Anybody ever felt like that before? Like you come to the altar, what that song said this morning, you lay your life down, and you're like, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue you, and I'm going to be a testimony to my friends. I'm going to pursue you, and I'm going to see my city changed. And then suddenly... Your whole life feels like it's falling apart. Why? Because the enemy is afraid of what's on the inside of you. So you don't have to hold a microphone or get up and sing a song to transform your city. There are unique and specific, specific giftings on each one, inside each one of you that the Lord wants to bring out. And the enemy is afraid of that you. 
See, he's okay with you stepping into church. He's okay with you going through the motions. What he's not okay for with you is for you to burn brightly. He's not okay with you showing Marion that addiction doesn't get to live here anymore. That we're going to host the presence of Jesus so strong that addiction has to leave. And the only people that are going to do that are the people that are sitting here in these spaces like this right now. The ones who will throw ourselves on the altar and say, Jesus, whatever the price, because you're worthy of whatever you ask for. Guys, I get emotional listening to that song because in the last couple years, I've realized that the longer that I pursue him, the less that I get to take with me in that process. Because he's less concerned with my comfortability and more concerned with me becoming all that he's called me to be. And there are some of you in this room that you've been comfortable for too long. See, Jesus did not create us for comfortability. When we look at the disciples, I mean, have you guys actually thought about this? Like Peter, they're out in the midst of their jobs. They're fishing. They're doing the different things that they were doing. And Jesus comes up to you and says, come follow me. They left everything. Scripture says that Peter had a mother-in-law. That means that Peter was married. Can you imagine if your husband didn't come home tomorrow because he was following Jesus? I mean, I would be pretty upset, if I'm going to be honest with you, if Nathan didn't come home tomorrow because God called him somewhere else. The life that they were called to was not one of comfortability, and that has not changed. Because, see, in James 1... It says that we count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, without trials, we can't get to steadfastness. Without steadfastness, we can't get to a place of contentment in the Lord where he is everything. How do we lack nothing? Because we let him be everything. Because what you focus on will increase. And so if I focus on what I don't have, guess what becomes bigger in my life? My lack. But when I focus on him, when I see where he's at in the midst of my story, suddenly I realize that I'm actually lacking nothing. And so at the beginning of this, I asked you guys a question. I said, how do we live a life of faith when we can't necessarily touch it with our hands or see what God's doing in the midst of our story? I believe that we live that life of faith by recounting what God has done. We live that life of faith by staying close to Jesus. Because see, what allowed Peter to begin to continue walking on water after he found himself sinking was that he called out to Jesus. And see, the temptation for many of us is that when trials come, we run back. We run back and we say, okay, this is too much. I don't want to pursue anymore. Because the cost, there is a cost. The Bible tells us that we are meant to count the cost. As Amanda said, that we are meant to pick up our cross daily and carry it. There is a cost to following Jesus. But I want you guys to know today that there is no cost that is too great for what you gain through your pursuit of him. 
He is so worthy of it. And he is so faithful. Even in the moments, you guys, where I wrestled and I said, where are you at, God? He was faithful. And now today, Nathan is, is leading worship at Teen Challenge. And he's started an LLC business. If you know Nathan, you know that that's a miracle. Like, he's not. <laughs> he's not who you would necessarily pick to, to run a business. But he does it so well, guys. The more that he stepped into that space, the more that the Lord has honored him. And we're seeing God's faithfulness. I'm in school full time. I'm, we're partnering with our friends in their ministry, and we're getting to go into schools, and we're getting to step into spaces, and we're seeing God's faithfulness. But before we saw that, there was a time of sinking. There was a time of questioning. And I believe that there are many of you in this room that are in that place right now. <clears throat> 